There is a word on my heart that I want to share with you today. The title of the message I want to share with you today is The Resurrection. I've got so many scriptures I want to read. And so I would like for you to please follow me in the Bible. You see, the other day I was talking about the need for us to begin to read the Bible again in service, in our church services. Because a lot of people have thrown this out the window. But, but not us. We refuse to throw this out the window. I just don't want to come and, you know, recite scriptures by heart and, and not have you look into the Bible to see what the Word of God says. You know, it's, it's important that as we look into the Word of God, when I begin to share God's Word and begin to preach, you know, the Bible talks about breaking bread. We begin to break the bread of the Word. You know, as we begin to break the bread of the Word, I want to encourage you, my viewers, please, Take your Bibles with you and take notes. And if it's on your smart device or it's a paper Bible, pull it out and, and look at these scriptures with me. And I truly believe that as you begin to look at these verses as I read them, they're going to jump off of the pages or jump out of the pages of the Bible into your heart. And that is when revelation comes. And that is when it becomes a reality in your life personally. You see, a lot of people have been told, but they have not had a personal experience. And I've said it over and over again, that a man with an argument, uh, a man with, sorry, a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. And so some people can argue, they, 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 they know how to debate, but the fact of the matter is, if you have got an experience, you are not at the mercy of somebody that has a debate or an argument. You see, when Jesus said to them, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. That word witness is so very important. You know, we witnessed the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody might say, but Pastor God, will, we were not there when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Yes, you are right. We were not physically there. But I'm going to show you in the Bible that by revelation, we can come to the place where we fully understand and comprehend that Jesus died, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. This can only come by revelation. And there are so many things I can say this morning, you know, about revelation, which is a very vital part of the Christian work, that if you don't have revelation of these things that we preach and talk about, man, you, 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 you cannot come into the fullness of the plan and the purpose of God for your life. And so, I want to begin to read from the Gospel of Mark. We want to read chapter 12, the Gospel of Mark chapter 12, as I begin to speak to you today on the resurrection. Mark chapter 12, we're going to read from verse number 18. I want you to go with me in your Bibles, please. Mark chapter 12, we read from verse number 18. I'm going to give you a few minutes to find it. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse number 18. The resurrection, that's what I'm talking to you about today. Verse 18 says, Some of the Sadducees, a religious group that denied there was a resurrection of the dead, came to ask Jesus this question. I want you to look at that closely. Some of the Sadducees, a religious group that denied there was a resurrection. We understand that the Sadducees were logical people. They did not believe in anything supernatural. They did not believe in the existence of angels. They did not believe in the resurrection. That is why you see it says here that they denied there was a resurrection of the dead. You see, they were spiritual people, or let's say religious leaders, I would say, not spiritual people. Religious people, but they did not believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in the resurrection. And you see, spiritual things can not be understood with the human mind. You see, you can't understand spiritual things with the human mind. These men were logical people. They carried themselves around uh, as if they knew. They carried themselves around as if they were, they were uh, in, in close relationship with God. They carried themselves around as if 
They knew better than everyone else, but they were just logical men who did not believe in the supernatural. I want you to understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was supernatural. There was no way Jesus uh, could have resurrected without the power of the Holy Spirit. So the supernatural realm is a very, very real place. And as members of the body of Christ and New Testament believers, we have to understand that the supernatural life is the life that we are called to live. We're not called to live a life that is, you know, just natural. Some people just live natural, logical, uh, low life, to be honest with you. That's really what it is because the life that God has given to the believer is high life. You see, God has made available in Christ the high life of God. And that is the life that we are referring to this morning as the supernatural life. But you see, there are some people that call themselves Christians, but they do not believe in the supernatural life that God has made available to us in Christ. The Sadducees were men like that. They were very logical people. They were men who did not believe in the existence of angels. They did not believe in the realm of the supernatural. They did not believe that the resurrection was a possibility. And so as you see here in, in verse number 18, they came to Jesus and they, they actually wanted to, and you would see as we read down, that they, they posed uh, a situation before Jesus and in their own minds, they thought they were going to undo Jesus when they put this question in front of Jesus. But you're going to see how Jesus dealt with this. And it's interesting when you read this, you understand that the supernatural life is available. There is, listen, people come and they try to be logical and they try to, you know, to put God in their own little box. But they have to understand that it is not possible to put God in your own little box. Not possible. God is a supernatural God. The believer in Christ is a supernatural believer. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was a supernatural thing that happened. It's important we understand it. And even today, as we talk about the resurrection, it's important for you to understand that it can only be a supernatural thing because if it was not a supernatural thing, you and I would not be here today. And it is only by the supernatural resurrection power of God that even the areas of your life that are dead can come back to life. If it's an area in your body and the doctor has given you a bad report, I'm here to tell you that by the supernatural resurrection power of God, that area in your life that is dead or about to die will come back to life. It can only be supernatural. That is the only way it can happen. Maybe it's your marriage on the brink of divorce. I want to tell you, God's supernatural resurrection power can touch that marriage again. Maybe it's a relationship. God's supernatural power, resurrection power can touch that area of your life. Is it a dream? Is it a vision? Whatever it is that is about to die or that is even dead, the supernatural power of God, the resurrection power of God, the glory of God that raised Jesus back to life, that is the Holy Ghost and can touch that area of your life and bring life and bring resurrection back to that area of your life. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm telling you, if you would only receive this, the power of God will touch you wherever you are. There is no time, there is no distance in the spirit. The same anointing that raised Christ from the dead, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead is right there with you. All you've got to do is release your faith to receive because you see your faith is the hand of the spirit that will go into the realm of the spirit and receive what God has made available to you. So if it's your marriage, if it's your relationships, if it's your body, if it's your, if it's your mind, if, if it's your, your vision, your dream, your ministry, I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that the same glory that raised Christ from the dead, this supernatural glory, this supernatural anointing, this supernatural power will touch your life, will touch your marriage, will touch your body, will touch your relationships, will touch that vision again. That thing will live again in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So we are not logical people that want to put God in a box. We cannot put God in a box. We cannot put spiritual things in a box and expect God to work for us. And so you can see that the Sadducees were religious people, but they were logical people. They think they could compute God in their small minds, but 
they will discover when Jesus begins to break down these things that they cannot or they could not, of course, at the time. And there are many of them like that today. You know, uh, they are logical, but they cannot put God in a box. I want to encourage those of you that are watching today, please don't try to put God in a box. You know, don't try to limit God with the way you think. You, you see, small, uh, small thinking or what we refer to as, uh, as uh, stinking thinking will, will hinder you. See, it will, it will stop God from doing what God wants to accomplish in your life. So I want to encourage you this morning, do not put God in a box. Do not, I'm telling you, do not, do not think small. There is nothing too big for God to do. No matter how hard it might seem in the natural, no matter how impossible it might seem to you or even to experts, I want to tell you this morning that there is nothing impossible with God. And the Bible says there is nothing impossible if you can only believe. That is why Jesus said, if you can only believe, you will see the glory of God. And so I'm here to tell you the glory of God that raised Christ from the dead is about to raise back to life whatever is dead in your life on this resurrection Sunday. Come on now, shout hallelujah. So do not limit God. Do not think small. Do not hold back. See, the Bible says whatever you are able to think, whatever you're able to Open your mouth and pray and declare to God that you want him to do for you. The Bible says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. See, it goes back to the supernatural according to the power that is at work in us. So whatever we ask God to do for us, whatever we are able to imagine, the Bible says God is not just going to do what we ask or what we imagine. God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. So my question to you this morning is how much are you asking God to do in your life? How much are you thinking? How, how big are those thoughts? How big is the dream of your life? You see, if you think big, then guess what? God's going to do bigger. But if you think small, God's going to do bigger than the small. But if you think big, God's going to do bigger than your big. Can someone say amen? So we serve a God that's big. We serve a God that's able to turn your life around. We serve a God that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. But notice, it is according to the supernatural power that is at work on the inside of you. Can someone shout amen? Praise God. You see, you cannot put God in a box. I need to probably, have, I have to keep saying that because somebody needs to hear that. The way you put God in a box or the way you try to put God in a box because you truly can put God in a box, it's by thinking small. The way you put God in a box or you, the way you try to put God in a box is by not believing. We've got to get unbelief and doubt out because that is what will limit you. That is what will paralyze you. I want to declare over you in the mighty name of Jesus that this is going to be an amazing day, an amazing week for you. And you can take that. You can say that word that Pastor God will just gave. It's mine. And you can take it and you can run with it. And you're going to see the glory of God, the power of God. I mean, working your life this week like it has never worked. You see, when you release your faith to release this, to receive this word as I begin to declare it over your life, guess what? You're going to grab a hold of that word and you're going to run with it and you're going to see the hand of God move and turn things around in your favor. I'm telling you, this is going to be your best week. Maybe I just need to keep saying that so that it will resonate in your mind. It will resonate in your spirit. As you go to bed today, when you put your head on your pillow, you will continue to hear the voice of Pastor God will say to you, this week is going to be a week of change. This week is going to be a week where things begin to turn around in your favor. Even from today, I'm not just talking about tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, but beginning from today, things are going to begin to turn around in your favor. Every impossibility in your life will become possible because of the supernatural resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead went into that tomb where Jesus was laid and entered into that body and brought that body back to life. You see, if he could do it for 
for Jesus, he can also do it for you. The Bible says that God is the same. God never changes. Malachi, the Bible says, I'm the Lord, I change it not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, what he did 2,000 years ago, God is able to do in and for your life today and throughout this week. So once again, I declare over everyone that's watching today that today and this week is going to be your best week ever. Everything that has stood in your way in the mighty name of Jesus, they must give way to see the glory of God work in your life and to see you rise up to the fullness of the purpose of God for your life. Everything that has come against you, they bow to the name of Jesus. They bow to the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it and if you receive it, then wherever you are, lift up those hands to heaven and shout, I receive it. It is mine. I believe it this week. It's going to be my best week ever. Come on now, say amen. Hallelujah. Say, spiritual things cannot be understood with human minds. Spiritual things are way past your mental comprehension. These, Pharise these Sadducees here thought they could understand spiritual things by being logical. But no, spiritual things are way past your human ability or your mental comprehension. And I want to also say this, for those who do not believe in the supernatural, your disbelief in the supernatural does not stop their activities. And when I say their activities, I'm talking about the realm of God and the realm of the devil. These are supernatural realms. You've got to understand that whether you believe they exist or not, it does not change the fact. There are supernatural activities taking place right now in this service. The angels of God are released to work on your, on your behalf and to turn things around in your favor. Even as I'm declaring these things over your life, guess what? The angels of God are released to cause these things to come to manifestation. The glory of God, the power of God is released to touch you and to change your life and to get rid of the plan and the purpose of the devil over your life. You see, because we are supernatural people and when we begin to open our mouths and declare the truth and declare the word of God, the supernatural anointing of the Holy Ghost is released to touch those that are connecting to the words we speak in faith and they will see the power of God do an amazing work in their lives. So the fact that some people do not believe does not change the fact that the realm of the supernatural is very real. And even as we speak, the realm of the supernatural is taking place and activities are taking place. What is the realm of God or what is the realm of the devil? That is what I've said to people many times. And I want you to listen to this. When you release faith, what happens? The, the angels of God are released to work in your favor. But when you release doubt and unbelief, guess what happens? Demons are released to work. On your behalf and you want to make sure that you're not releasing doubt and unbelief and fear and panic. And if you release all of that, you are releasing demons to do stuff against your life. But when you release faith, when you've got faith and confidence and, 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 and trust in God, the angels of God are released and they begin to turn things around in your favor. They begin to touch your body. They begin to open doors for you. I'm telling you this week is going to be a week of no, new doors opening up to some of you in the marketplace. I want to prophesy over you that this is going to be a week where new things are going to open up to you in the business world and the marketplace. You're going to step into new territories. You're going to take new territories because the angels of God are released right now in this service on your behalf and in your favor and they shall begin to open doors. They will go ahead of you and to cause things to open up in your favor that when you walk into an office this week, they'll roll out red carpet in front of you and they'll welcome you and where people have gone to and they have been refused and denied. You will go into those places and you will be accepted. I want to even speak to somebody that is watching me right now. You've gone to those places in the past and they have shut the door in your face but by the us some resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. I declare over that case that when you return back there this week, red carpets will be open, will be rolled out in front of you, and the doors will be open before you, and the doors will never be shut. If you receive that, give the Lord a big shout of hallelujah. Come on now, say amen if you believe it. My God, it seems as if I just came up here to prophesy over people today. That is what is going to happen. You believe it, you receive it, then it is yours. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Praise God. Look at verse 19. So they kept speaking to Jesus. These are, the, these are the Sadducees. They said, teacher, the law of Moses teaches that if a man dies before he has children, his brother should marry the widow and raise up children for his brother's family line. Now there was a family with seven brothers. The oldest got married but soon died and he had no children. The second brother married his oldest brother's widow, and he also died without any children, and the third also. This repeated down to the seventh brother, none of whom had children. Finally, the woman died. So here is our dilemma. So the Sadducees said, here is our confusion. Here is where we are stuck. See, the reason why they were stuck is because they were logical. They tried to understand the supernatural realm with their uh, small brains. And this is the dilemma that so many people have found themselves today. They try to understand God. They try to understand the resurrection. They try to understand the things of the Spirit of God with their natural human minds. That's why they are logical. And that's why they, they try to figure these things out. But the more they try, the more they fail. You cannot understand these things with your natural human mind. I want to say this to you. The Word of God has not been given to make sense. The word of God has been given to make faith. Listen to that carefully. The word of God was not given to make sense. The word of God was given to make faith. The word of God was not given to make sense. This does not make sense. Of course it does not. For those who want the word of God to make sense, no it doesn't. The word of God was not given to make sense. The resurrection does not make sense. That is the reason why the Sadducees could not understand it. I just talked about the realm of the supernatural earlier, and I want you to understand this. Praise God for psychiatrists, and praise God for psychologists, but it's important that they also understand that a lot of things that their patients deal with are spiritual. Because, you know, they think it's all, it's all in their heads. No, it's not all in their heads. And so they, go, they have like an hour or two hours talk session, hoping that the more they talk to them, the more they find out what the problem is. And the more they talk to them, the more they get them out of whatever situation they found themselves. But I want to tell them, psychologists, psychiatrists, listen to me. If you're watching and if you would watch this sometime in the future, listen to me. Most of the things that your clients or your patients deal with are spiritual. There are demons. There are spirits behind so many of those cases, and I'm not saying all are spiritually uh, are controlled, but I need you to understand that many of them are influenced by evil, unclean, demonic spirits. Are you listening to me? There is the oppression of the devil upon the lives of many of those people that you deal with. Because... I mean, if you think about it, the idea is, well, let's, let's do a session with this person and let's find out what the problem is. And the more we talk to them and the more sessions we do with them, the, the better they get. But you find out that sometimes it, it, they don't get better because some of the things that they are dealing with are purely demonic, purely spiritual. And you can't be logical and deal with spiritual matters. That is where you need men of God. That's where you need anointed people to, to, to come into the situation and deal with the spirit behind the, per, the person. Come on now, say amen. So you see, they said to Jesus in verse number 23, so here is our dilemma. This is our confusion. This is where we are stuck. This is the snag in our way. We don't know how to get past this. Because this man married and his wife and he died and his younger brother married the same woman and, and, and to the last uh, sibling all married the same woman and none of them had children with the woman and then eventually the woman died at the resurrection who is going to be the husband to this woman since all of them had her this is our confusion they said this is our dilemma they said okay 
So, yes, of course, this is the reason why you're confused is because you do not have an understanding of the scriptures. Look at verse 23 again. So here's our dilemma or dilemma. Which of the seven brothers will be the woman's husband when she's resurrected? You see, these guys thought they were smart. They were, and this may not have happened. They just cooked up the story and they wanted to, to trap Jesus with it. Because they did not believe in the resurrection. So Jesus, who will marry this woman? At the resurrection. Because you say there is a resurrection. So in this case. What would be the situation with this woman. Who had seven of his brothers. As husband at one time. So who is going to be a husband. At the resurrection. Verse 24. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered them. You are mistaken. Because your hearts. Are not filled. With the revelation. Of the scriptures. Or the power of God. Are you seeing that? The reason why their hearts were not filled with the revelation of, and the power of God is because they were trying to figure God out with their logic, with their mind. And that is what we deal with today. So many try to figure God out with their heads. People saying God does not exist. People saying, well, it's not possible that there is uh, uh, the whole concept of Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, it's not possible for people to go to the lake of fire because if God, the God you preach, if he's a good and a loving God, why will he send his creation to hell? I mean, people try to figure these things out with their heads and people try to, I'm telling people do not even believe in the creation well, the Bible says in Genesis, in chapter 1, in the beginning, God, correct? That's what the Bible says in Genesis 1. But no, it is not possible. Well, we rather believe in the Big Bang Theory, you know, and, and they would rather believe that men came from monkeys and all of that. But you see, they, would, they refuse to believe the Word of God because they're trying to be logical. And they say believe in the signs. But listen, what about believing in the things of the Spirit? What about faith? What about trusting God? What about believing his word? What about believing what God has said? Even though it does not make sense to you. You see, because it does not make sense and it cannot make sense and it will never make sense, but it does make faith. Praise God. So you are mistaken because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Over everyone that's watching this broadcast right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit will burst forth in your spirit with revelation. The word of God will burst forth in your spirit with revelation like you've never known so that you will begin to comprehend the things of God, not with your head, not with your mind, but with your heart. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Notice, he did not place eternity in our minds because the minds of men are limited, but God has put eternity in your heart because the hearts of men, if, this heart, if these hearts have been regenerated, these hearts are not limited. That is why eternity Eternity is in your heart. Eternity, infinity, life with no end. It's in your heart, not in your head, because your head cannot understand it. Cannot understand it. Your head cannot understand the conception of Jesus Christ. When angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you shall bear a son. Mary said, how can this thing be? Knowing or seeing that I know no man. I haven't met a man. How will it happen? The power of the highest shall overshadow you. The power of the most high, that's the Holy Ghost, shall come upon you, shall overshadow you. And the thing that shall be conceived in you shall be called the Son of God. Can someone say amen? So Mary could not compute it with her mind, but she believed it in her heart. And that's the reason why she said to the angel, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be unto me according to thy word. She believed it in her heart and she accepted it. And because she believed it and accepted it, what happened? The power of the highest. The Holy Ghost came upon Mary and conception happened 
and she carried Jesus full term and delivered. Can someone say praise the Lord? But when Jesus walked the face of the earth for 33 and a half years, especially his three and a half years of earthly ministry, so many people could not believe him because he did stuff that no one had ever seen. The Bible says he cast out devils. And when he did for the, for the very first time, the people were shocked. They said, we've never seen this before. What new doctrine is this? That with his words, he cast devils out of a person because they've never seen it happen. But there were those who believed. In the midst of unbelief, there are those that believe. The Bible says, where sin abound, grace abound much more. In the midst of unbelief, there are those that believe. And I'm sure those that are watching this broadcast right now are not doubters but believers. I am sure that those that are watching this broadcast right now are people that are totally sold out to God. People that say, Look, listen, I believe everything that God says. I believe every word that comes out of his mouth. And God's not a man to lie, nor a son of man to repent. What he said he will do, what he has spoken, he will bring it to pass. God will watch over his word to perform it in your life. God is true. God is faithful. God never lies. Can someone give him praise? Give him glory? Come on now, if you're watching, put your hands together wherever you are. Yeah, I, I don't hear it, but if you put your hands together, get excited in your home. Get excited wherever you're watching from. Give God praise. Give God glory. We serve an awesome, mighty, living Savior that is alive today. He is not dead. Yes, he died. He was buried on the third day he rose again and that is what we are here today to declare and to celebrate and to pronounce to let the world know and to let the kingdom of darkness know that our savior is alive and because Jesus is alive we are alive with him death has nothing on me death has nothing on you your vision is going to live again your ministry is going to live again the aspirations in your heart that God put in your heart even at the age of 10 11 12 those aspirations will be to live again and you begin to discover that God indeed put those things there and God will cause them to begin to flourish I declare that from today the resurrection power of God begins to cause those things that God has placed on the inside of you to begin to flourish and this whole week you're going to see how they will flourish and they will they will just grow and they would bloom and, and I'm telling you they're going to take your life to a whole new place they're going to take your life to a whole new level they're going to take your life to a whole new territory Get ready for God is about to do amazing things in your life. Can someone say amen? The Bible says, when he turned again the captivity of Israel, we were like those that dreamed. And then said they amongst the nations that God has done great things amongst them. I'm here to tell you that God is doing amazing things in your life. And the nations will see. And the nations will give God the glory. Because the things that God is doing and the things that are about to manifest and come to fruition in your life can only be done by God. Can only be supernatural. And so the nations will come around you and they shall celebrate you. Your friends who at some point they laughed at you and they mocked at you. They shall come and they shall celebrate with you and you will have the opportunity to say to them, it could not have been done by me. It was done by the supernatural awesome power of God and I believed it when Pastor God was preaching it. I believed it when he was prophesying it and it is part of my life today. That is going to be your story. That is going to be your testimony. If you believe it, come on, give the Lord a big shout of praise. You might have to stick your head out the window and give the Lord a shout of praise. Let the people on your street know that there is somebody alive on that street. Can someone say praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus said to them, Whew, I like this. You can see that the key that Jesus said to them right here is revelation. I want to say revelation. He said your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures. That is exactly what Paul said. In the book of 1 Corinthians. When he said I received from the Lord. That which I handed down to you. That Christ died according to the scriptures. Notice he said I received from the Lord. I received. The question is how did Paul receive? Paul was not there when Jesus Christ was crucified. Paul at the time was not one of his apostles. Paul was not following Christ at the time. But Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I gave to you. In other words, he must have received it by revelation. 
He said, I received that Christ died according to the scriptures. So by revelation, he got it. He said, I also received that he was buried. And then I also received that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So the only way Paul uh, could have received this was by revelation. So he received the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ by revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So people trying to figure God out with their minds. That's why I don't like this, what I refer to as intellectual Christianity, which appeals just to the minds of men. And I would also say this, I've talked about psychologists and psychiatrists. I also want to say this, there are Christian apologists and there are Christian uh, motivational speakers. They have their place. Now, I'm not up here to, 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 to speak lightly of people's gifts and ministries, but I'm here to say that, that praise God for Christian apologists. Praise God for motivational speakers. But, but what makes the difference in the hearts of people? It's the resurrection power of God. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. I guarantee you, when Peter was speaking in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, Peter was not a Christian apologist. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Peter, I tell you, was not a motivational speaker. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what I'm telling you, Peter spoke in such a way under the unction and the power of this resurrection that when Peter spoke, the Bible says to us, the men who were there listening to Peter speak, they said, what must we do to be saved? Because the Bible tells us that the words that Peter spoke cut through their hearts. Only by the power of, of God can the words you speak cut through the hearts of people. What must we do to be saved, they asked. Because the word that Peter was speaking cut through their hearts. In other words, they were convicted of their life of sin and unbelief and doubt. Peter said, you killed the Son of God. And that word cut through the hearts of those that were listening to him. And they said, what must we do that we might be saved? Peter said, repent and be converted and your sins will be blotted out. And the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. And he said to them, for what you see happen to us right now, it's not just for us. It is also for you. It is also for your children. It is also for your children's children. And it is also for as many as the Lord our God shall call. In Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. I can tell you, he was not a motivational speaker there. He was not a Christian apologist there. He was speaking by the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. This resurrection power that I'm talking about this morning. And the Bible says in verse 44, Acts 10, 44. The Bible says, while Peter spoke, spoke, spake. The Bible says, speak. But let's use modern English. While Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon those in the house. While he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is only by this resurrection power that the hearts of men can be touched. It is only by this resurrection power that the devil will flee when we command him to flee in Jesus' mighty name. It is only by this resurrection power that sickness and disease leaves. It is only by this resurrection power that circumstances are turned around in the favor of God's people. Only by this resurrection power. It is not by arguing scripture. It is not by proving anything to anybody. We're not called to prove nothing to nobody. We're called to proclaim the word of God. We're called to declare the word of God as we proclaim and we declare. The power of God moves and touches people and sets them free. Come on now. If you believe it, put those hands together and give God praise. Give God glory and receive that which is available to you today. In Jesus' mighty name. Resurrection power. The resurrection comes with power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe, first to the Greeks, and uh, first to the Jews, and then to the Greeks. 
Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. He said, my preaching was not set forth in persuasive intellectual words of man's wisdom. I didn't come to you with excellence of speech, but my preachings and my ministering amongst you was in the demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, I was with you in weakness. He said, my message, my preaching was in the demonstration of the spirit and power. You see, he was still talking about this resurrection power. Because if Christ had not risen, then this power was not available to Paul and to Peter. If Christ was not risen, then this resurrection power is not available to the New Testament church. But praise God, it is available to us. Because yes, Christ died. He was Hung on the cross. He hung on the cross. I'm sorry. And they nailed him to that cross. But they brought him down when he had died. And they put him in the tomb. But praise God on the third day. This power of resurrection. Grab a hold of that body. And brought that body back to life. Can someone say amen. Jesus came out of that tomb. And Jesus said I'm alive. And because I live you shall also live. Come on now shout hallelujah. Praise God. I'm getting excited already. This is awesome. The resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. Praise God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. We're still in Mark chapter 12. This is rich. Look at verse number 25. Mark chapter 12. We're reading verse 25 now. For when they rise from the dead. So Jesus now, Jesus is still talking to these men who were logical. He said, for when they rise from the dead, men and women will not marry. So Jesus is saying, resurrection is true. There is resurrection. For when they rise from the dead, men and women will not marry. Just like the angels of heaven don't marry. Now concerning the resurrection, verse 26, haven't you read in the Torah? What God said to Moses at the burning bush. I am the living God. Notice. I am the living God. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. God is not God of the dead. But God is the God of the living. You are majorly mistaking. That's basically what Jesus was saying to them. God is not God of the dead. God is the God of the living. Notice he did not say I was the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He said I am the God of Abraham. I, I, I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Which means that God is saying to them resurrection is possible. Because at the time Moses was speaking to God on the mountain. God was saying to Moses Abraham is still alive. Because he resurrected uh, uh, Isaac is still alive because he resurrected and Jacob is still alive. Can someone say amen? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the body is sown in weakness but the body rises up in strength. The body is sown in carnality but the body rises up in spirituality. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? So it is possible for resurrection to happen and it's going to happen for those who have slept in the Lord. They are going to come back to life. The day is coming and you and I I'm going to meet them again. So if you have anyone that has passed on, I'm here to encourage you. Maybe a loved one, maybe a wife, maybe a husband, maybe a father, maybe a mother, maybe your sibling, somebody in your family, maybe a friend that you truly loved and they've passed on. If they were born again believers, I'm here to tell you that the day is coming when they shall resurrect. You will see them on that resurrection glorious morning when you will reunite with them again. A number of years ago, my father, father also passed on and when he was about to pass on he he basically got up sat up on the bed he was in coma for a number of hours and basically sat up and smiled at the people in the room and he laid back put his head back on the pillow and he was gone you see that's a good way to go you just look at the people around you and you wish them farewell and boom 
you cross over to the other side. Listen, death is not a stop of existence. Death is separation. And the day will come when those that are watching me right now, if the trumpet tarries the sound in the next 50, 60 years, the day will come when you, you, the real you, the spirit man, will come out of that physical body and you will cross over to the other side of eternity. Can someone say amen? Praise the Lord. And that body is going to get a new body. It's a celestial body. A new body is going to be given to that body. I mean to that spirit, I'm sorry. Because the physical body you have right now will not go to heaven. But the day is coming when that's you, the real spirit man, will be clothed. The Bible says... If this earthly house of this tabernacle is destroyed, we have a building with God. A building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Of course, it's talking about our physical body. And you see, just like I, I would take off my, my coat when I'm done ministering, you see, that day is coming when you will also take off this physical coat, this physical house. This physical body is a house. It's a temporal tabernacle where you, the real person, is living in right now. And one day will come when you just take it off. You just take it off. You just take it off. The only reason why you can live here on this physical, physical material world is because you still have this physical body. So the day is coming when you're going to take off this physical body, this clothing, this tabernacle. And when you take it off, you're going to cross over to the other side. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is good stuff. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Whoo! Hallelujah. Come on now, say amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. I just made reference to what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 15. So let's read this. 1 Corinthians 15, we read verses 3 and 4. For I have shared with you what I have received, and that is of most or utmost importance. The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the Scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the scriptures. Go to verse 12. The message we preach is Christ, who has been raised from the dead. That's what we are dealing with today. Resurrection. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? So even in the day and time where Paul ministered, he had this situation and he had to deal with it. Where some people were already saying that there was no resurrection. And so Paul had to deal with the Corinthian church. How dare you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse number 13. For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing and your faith is useless. Look at verse 16. If the dead aren't raised, that would mean that Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. So you cannot talk about salvation, freedom, deliverance. Without the resurrection. So Paul is basically saying to them, if you say Christ did not rise from the dead, that means your faith is useless. Look at verse 18. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. I just encouraged you and encouraged myself a couple of minutes ago when I told you that if you have a loved one who has passed on as a believer like my father, you are going to meet them and reunite with them again. But if Christ did not rise, like these men claimed, then it means that we would never meet them ever again. Because Paul says here in verse 18, it would also mean that those, who, uh, for, that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. They've gone extinct. We will never see them again. But that is not true. You see, that's the logic that I was talking about when I started. Don't think like this. This way of thinking is contrary to the truth of the word of God. 
Look at verse 19. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. Are you seeing that? No, no, no. This world is not your home. The Bible says to us that we are pilgrims. We are travelers. We are strangers. For those of you that are heaping up things on earth, I'm not against wealth. I'm not against riches. The Bible encourages us to enjoy wealth and riches. But I want you to understand that what is most important is what you do with the riches that God gave you. Naked you came. Naked you would leave. You are not going to leave this earth with a pin. You came naked, you're going to leave naked. When they put you six feet down below, you're going there. Well, maybe they'll put on a, whatever they put on, on you. A, a nice suit. A nice dress. That's it. That's it. But you're not going to heaven with any of the stuff you've piled up. You're not going to heaven with your palatial mansion. Praise God for nice houses. Of course, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's here. Or while you are here. Praise God for all the money in your bank account. But what is most important is not what you hoard up. It's not what you heap up. It is what you do for the kingdom of God with the, with the material blessings that God is giving to you. That is the most important thing. If your hope, if your life, if everything about you is just here on earth. The Bible says here that you are of all men most miserable. You need to be pitied. Let's eat, let's drink like the mindsets of some of the people Paul dealt with. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we perish. That's the wrong way to think. Do things that will produce eternal consequences. Use the money, use the house, use the, the clothes, use the material things, use the skill, use the ability, your business, business acumen, everything that God has given to you, your, your education, use everything material on this earth to, to, to build eternal rewards. Because the day is coming, my friend, when we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we shall give account of the things we've done with the things that he gave us. Use your time and build eternal, eternal rewards. Use your money and build eternal rewards. Give into the gospel, tithe and sow seeds and be a blessing. Send missionaries across the world to bring in the harvest of souls. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust that cannot corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My dear friend, I ask you this morning, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? I heard the story of a multimillionaire. He was about to die, about to breathe out his last. And people came around him at his deathbed. And they asked him, what else do you need? You've accomplished so much on earth. You know what he said? He said, one more dollar. One more dollar. He needed one more dollar. When people are so attached to material things, they can't release, they can't give, they can't bless. They think they are doing God a favor when they give into the house of God. They think they are doing God a favor. They think they are doing men of God a favor when they give into the lives of men of God. That's ministering and reaching and, and praying and, and doing all kinds of things to help them rise up to the place of God's ultimate purpose. They think they are doing God a favor. No, my friend, you're not doing God a favor. Some people think I'm sponsoring the kingdom of God. Who do you think you are to sponsor? the kingdom of God. God has given you whatever he has given to you. It is the grace and the goodness of God that has enriched and empowered you with all the material things you have and you better be faithful to God with it because you're going to give account to him for it. If in this life alone we have our hope, we are miserable because this world is not our home. We are pilgrims. Live like it. Understand it. Come to terms with it. You are a stranger. You are in the world. You are not of the world. 